Uh, who in here likes Legos? Who in here, at some point in their life, has ever done a Lego set? At some point, raise your hand if you've ever done a Lego set. Uh, I'm looking at who has ever really lived, okay, is what I'm looking at right now. So at our house with four kids, and um, we, we have done over the years a lot of Lego sets. It's a, it's a staple at Christmas, right? We get some Lego sets. And, and, and here's the thing about Legos. Lego, uh, Lego set, um, is, uh, it starts with some pieces and a picture, right? So you have some pieces that you put together in hopes that it will look like the thing that is pictured. And I love thinking about Lego sets when I think about vision because when we talk about what does God have pictured, uh, put what picture has God put in our minds for what he wants to do in our church, we can think about a Lego set because each year we get to put some more pieces on this thing. Now, I love Legos, and uh, one of the things that we're going to do this year is uh, really lean into our value of radical generosity. So I'm going to give this Lego box away today. I know, I know. It actually belongs to one of my children, and so, uh, sorry. Um, and uh, so if you have a Connect card, there's a Connect card, one Connect card that has a black piece of tape on it, a black piece of tape on it. Just raise your, raise your hand. If you, oh, right here. All right, give it up. Come up here and get your Lego set. And, uh, yay, congratulations. And for the record, she's the only one that said, are you excited to be in here? And she said, yeah. (laughs) So that's just God's sovereignty right there. So today we're going to talk about the peace that God's going to put in place this year as we see the vision that God has put on our heart become a reality. So late 2016, we put a team of volunteers together and they discerned the question, uh, the answer to the question, where is God taking us? So we did a lot of hard work, and, and that led to our goal last year of following up on 10,000 prayer requests. And so in that uh, kind of line of thinking, we also put together another team uh, in late 2017, and we began to pray and say, okay, what's the next piece? What's the next thing that we need to do uh, in 2019? What's the goal we're going to go after? What's our vision goal for the year uh, in 2019 that we can all participate in? This is part of the beauty of being the church. We can all participate in to, to see God put another piece on this beautiful picture that we call Vision 2025. And so if you want to read about Vision 2025, that stands for the year 2025, uh, then you can go online, neartownchurch.org. There's a tab for it. You can read about it. It goes into great detail about what we believe God wants to do in and through us and become reality in Vision 2025. But for now, what we're doing is talking about what is going to happen in 2019. So our goal for 2019 is this. We're going to give 365 gifts to guests. And so we're going to give 365 gifts to guests. So the 365 represents three times the number of guest gifts we gave in 2018. So this is a pretty big goal. And 365 also represents the number of days in a year, which communicates to us all that, hey, Christian mission is every day, not just Sunday, not just when the church leaders plan an event for service, but this is what we're going to set our hearts and mind on and for 2019. You're going to hear a lot about this. We're going to put pieces in place so that we can actually accomplish this as a church. And I love it. I'm excited about it because here's the thing. For us to give gifts to guests, the guests have to come. For the guests have to come, we need to really update our Google SEO. 
and you need to invite them. Now, the Google SEO thing, that's a thing that will happen and we'll continue to try to be good in terms of how we put ourselves out there. But that's really not the primary way we want to engage people outside the life of the church so that they will come and be in the, a part of our church. And so what we're going to do this year is really ask God to pour out his spirit and encourage our hearts as we begin thinking about what does it look like for us to invite people that are not yet church to be a part of our church family in a way that they would want to continue being a part of our church family. So 365 gifts to guests. Now, that's just the mind stuff, okay? So I say 365 gifts to guests, and I doubt very many of you are like, whoa, my heart's really moved. I'm really stunned by that. I can't wait to be a part of it. You're like, okay, we're going to give 365 gifts to guests. To get a guest, they have to come to get a gift. They have to come to church. To come to church, you have to invite them. And we all kind of get that, right? And I know that for you to get excited about inviting people, you have to believe that the church has what people want. Which led, led me this week in my thinking to this question. What do people really want? You ever thought about that? What do people really want? So I sent an inquiry to uh, quite a number of people this week, from Christians, non-Christians, people of different religions, young people, old people, people inside the church, people outside the church, and I got a whole lot of responses. Here are some of the responses. What do people really want? People want a deep personal connection. Okay, I can track with that. Or people want direction in life. Yeah, They want to plan for their life. Sure, I I can get with that. Or or people want a well-liked image. Want people to perceive them in a positive way, right? Okay, I think people want that. People want money. People want power. But as I considered all of these responses, in my own experience in my life, my own desires, I began to think that what people want above all else is happiness. Everybody say happiness. What people want above all else is happiness. In our own Declaration of Independence, it says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and say it with me, the pursuit of happiness. So in this Declaration of Independence, this beautiful, distinguishing document written 240 plus years ago, it inspires us to believe that we've been given the right to, by God, to pursue happiness. This is what people want. And in the words of that esteemed theologian, Pharrell Williams, in his song, Happy, because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy, Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy, clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm, thank you, clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. I don't even, you know, I don't feel like I should dab right now, which I know is old, you know. But anyway, I don't know. So, so we want to feel happy, right? We, wanna, we all want to feel happy. Raise your hand if you want to feel happy. Of course you do. And there's nothing unbiblical about it. In fact, it's quite biblical to think about being happy. You know, in the Bible, there are over a hundred uses of words meaning happiness. 
and, and some people have tried to make a distinction between the word joy and happiness. And, and, and I, you know, it's kind of creative, but it's not really true because in the Bible, the, the words that we translate into the English to be happy or to mean joy, they have in essence, in their essence, what we think of when I say to you, do you want to be happy? You'd say yes. There are places in the Bible where the word joy and happiness is used interchangeably, so I think they help us understand one another. Like in Psalm chapter 92, verse 4, it says, You, O Lord, have made me happy for your work. I will sing for joy because of what you have done. Psalm 32, 11 says, Rejoice in the Lord and be happy, you who are godly. You see, the Christian faith teaches that real happiness is experienced in the presence of God. Real happiness is experienced in the presence of God. Now, all people want to be happy, but too often people search for happiness where it cannot be found. Remember, I have the question on the table. What do people want? They want to be happy in the simplest form. That's what it is. One of the contemplative spiritual fathers, a man by the name of Father Thomas Keating, says this. He says, this is the human condition to be without the true source of happiness, which is the experience of the presence of God. Without a focus on God, what we experience is our desperate search for happiness where it cannot be found. All people want to be happy, but too often people search for happiness where it cannot be found. Have you ever in your life? I know I have. Our happiness, or what researchers refer to as subjective well-being. Did you know that uh, it's actually down across the nation? In fact, there was a survey done by the Gallup organization of 2.5 million Americans. And over the course of the last few years, uh, the overall level of happiness that people are experiencing is in rapid decline. Could it be because we're believing lies about what actually makes us happy? Here are some potential lies about that you may be believing or people that you're in, kind of encountering outside the church might be believing that uh, they believe will make them happy. Here's a lie. Uh, if others like you, you'll be happy. You ever believe that one? Good, good. You will, you will. Maybe you should believe it a little bit more. Um, if other, that's a lie. If others like you, you'll be happy. So you work hard to improve your image. You try to project an image that you think other people will like. And all of us do that to some degree, right? But it's a lie. If you believe that others liking you will make you happy, you're believing a lie. Here's another one. Uh, the lie, if you're successful, you'll be happy. How many of you thought, if I could just make these grades in high school, I'll be happy. And then you made those grades, and then you weren't happy. And then you get into college, and you think, if I just make these grades in college, or if I just meet, uh, meet this standard for accolade, I'll be happy. You meet it, and you're not. And then now you have a job, and you're making some money, and you're thinking, I'll be happy when I get to this point in my career. As someone that is uh, not the oldest person in the room, but a little older than most of you, I want you to know this. Being successful does not make you happy. You can be happy while being successful, but being successful will not make you happy. You can't put your ultimate hope in your job or your craft. Or here's another lie. If you find the right spouse, you will be happy. You ever believe that one? Then you got married? I mean, other than 
my feelings towards my wife, there's no one in the history of marriage that's married somebody and, and because of their perfect, amazing wife, it's just like all of a sudden you're just so happy. I mean, Jeannie and I, we were married about 4.3 hours and I think I left my sock on the floor or something and it led to us both looking at each other and being like, okay, we cannot find our ultimate happiness in one another. We have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and in the midst of that, we can be happy. Although I do plan on keeping my eyes on you a lot. If you find the right spot, I should be happy. So keep trying to find that one person to complete you. I mean, that's a lie. It's not going to happen. Or how about some internal lies we believe? And these are the lies that people all around you believe. Right now, there are people all over that are believing these lies, going, chasing after these things to be happy, and they're not happy. Or, or some internal lies. How about this one? Here's an internal lie. God is not knowable. So why would I look to an unknowable God for happiness? Or another internal lie. God could never love me. There are people around you that you're going to invite in 2019. They're going to be stunned when they hear that God loves them. And he loves them knowing everything that they've done. Or one more lie that keeps us from believing the truth. God cannot be good or loving because Christians haven't been. You know, there are people around you that believe that. You might, in fact, be the first person who claims to be a Christ follower that is loving to them and good to them. So a lie that sometimes people that are outside the church and I'm willing to come to the life of the church believe is that God can't be good or loving because I've never met any Christ followers that are. These are like villainous lies when people believe these, they chase happiness outside of God's presence. But what I'm telling you this morning is that happiness is found in God's presence. And those lies, by the way, are not new lies. They're not 2019 lies. They, they were believed by Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were told to Jesus when he was tempted. But those lies are so powerful. Here's the deal. We know that that's true. They're so powerful and so believable that throughout history, God had a plan. And here's his plan. Throughout history, God has gathered truth tellers and he's established his presence among them. In the Old Testament, the truth tellers were the Israelites. Joel chapter 2 verse 27 says, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. So this group of people, God has called to himself. He's making his presence known in their midst. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. So in the Old Testament, the gathered truth tellers were the Israelites. And in the New Testament, since the time of Jesus, the gathered truth tellers represent the church. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So here's the thing, the local church, when it's healthy, is the environment where all people can experience the presence of God. Hear me again, the local church, when it's healthy, is the environment where all people can experience the presence of God, and people will be made most happy in life when they're experiencing the presence of God. So this truth emerges from the Bible in a passage that Jeannie read so beautifully. 
Ephesians chapter 2, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's explaining to them, to them about their Christian faith. And part of his explanation includes explaining to them about how they, as the gathered people of God, uh, represent God in the world. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So in other words, that we as the people of God, gathered with Jesus as the cornerstone, we are the place where God most powerfully manifests his presence. What do people want? They want to be happy. Where will they be the most happy? In the presence of God. Where will they experience the presence of God most fully? In the gathered church. That's a reason why what we're doing here is so important. Now, there are good reasons not to believe me that a church is a place where the presence of God is manifest. Because you know as well as I know that there are people within the church or people outside the church that have been hurt by people within the church. And so rather than experiencing joy in the presence of God in the church, maybe you, in fact, were hurt by, people, by the people of God. So you, you're kind of repelled by the idea of engaging and being a part of a church. I mean, maybe you're here and you want to find a place where you like the preacher, you like the singing, and you can deal with the people. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that the presence of God is powerfully manifest in the relationships that exist in the life of the church. As a part of the life of a church, there's a time where we open the scripture and we teach it to you. And there's a time we sing together. But that's, this is not all there is with the church. The relationships of the church is where God manifests his presence most powerfully. And in the experience of God's presence, this is where you and the people that you know that are outside the church will be most happy. I just tell you, when the church is healthy, it's an amazing place to experience God's presence. Uh, did y'all hear that? This story, um, quite incredible, about this Netherlands church. There was a church in Netherlands, and they had a family in the church. They were refugees from uh, Armenia. And this Armenian family had been refugees there. They were, they were political refugees because... Uh, in their country, they were speaking out about a corrupt government, so they had to flee. And they were allowed to live there for nine years, but the government changed the law. And so the government decided that they were going to have to leave and go back. They knew if they were going to go back that they would be killed. And there's this rule uh, in, uh, in, Netherlands, in the Netherlands where uh, a government official cannot disrupt a worship service to arrest somebody. So what the church did was they had a marathon church service for 2,327 hours. And what they knew is that the government could not come in and arrest this family because they were in the middle of worship. To prevent their arrest and deportation, the church was at its peak beauty. And they just worshipped around the clock. For 96 days. Long enough for the government to realize that they were not going to give up. And they ended up giving this family asylum. The church is a beautiful place 
I, I don't think we're going to probably be worshiping continuously for 96 days as a church. Um, but you know, there are other ways that we get to experience the beauty of the church. Over a shared meal is one. In, in homes, at, at loop groups during the week. In teaching one another and, sh- and sharing conversations that are, that are more than just surface level conversations, which is what most people experience every single day, but like actually meaningful conversations where we get to share our, our hopes and our hurts, our dreams and our disappointments. You see, the church is a beautiful thing. So when we talk about, God, where are you taking us? Um, This is about some beautiful expression, a visible expression of God's presence on the earth, in the United States, in Texas, in Houston, in the best part of the city. That's what we're talking about here. And so when I say to you, hey, we ought to consider who is in our lives who's trying to find happiness in some place other than God's presence, and would you be willing to invite them to be a part of this church? I think, I think our hearts begin to be stirred a little bit more. Because we begin to be convicted that we're most happy when we're experiencing God's presence. And that presence is most fully experienced with others. I love the Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. It says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It is okay, Christian, for you to want to be happy. For you to believe that that happiness is in God's presence and that presence of God is most fully experienced with others who desire to honor and submit to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I'm excited about something, I always share it with somebody else. When I'm excited about a good restaurant, I share it with somebody else. Jeff was up here on the um, base, and uh, one of the first times that I met Jeff, we had a conversation about uh, restaurants, which I didn't believe him because he's thin. He said, I really like to eat, and I'm like, bull, and, um, because he's really thin and fit looking. And, uh, but anyway, but we began to talk, and it turns out um, they, do, they do love restaurants. And what they did when they first moved to Houston is they decided they were not going to go to any restaurant twice. They were going to make a list of restaurants and go one, you know, down the list. And, and, and so for, for weeks since then, uh, where are you all? Where are you, Jeff? All right, right over here. Okay, so, um, um, so, so they, they, would, uh, they would share with Jeannie and I uh, what restaurant they'd gone to because they're excited about it we would share with them have you been to this restaurant you've been to that restaurant and uh, we would share because what do you do when you when you experience something that you enjoy you share it with somebody right that's exactly what we're doing and what i'm saying to you is like if you're experiencing the presence of god in this place then let's invite others and and when you do here here's my here's my guarantee to you if you'll invite others we'll do our part by joining you in loving them well We will speak the truth in love, but we're not going to judge people for their choices. And we're not going to use shame as a motivator. We'll be truth tellers, but we'll do it in a winsome, likable way. We will not hide our deep convictions that grow out of God's word, but we will not reject those who do not share those convictions. We're going to lift Jesus up. This is our agreement to you. We're going to lift Jesus up as we gather because we believe that the more clearly you see Jesus, the more fully you understand who God is. 
And we're going to do our part. We're going to love people and we're going to be truth tellers. And then we're going to let God do his part. His part is to open people's hearts and to stir belief. That's a really great place to be, by the way. We just trust that God's going to stir a response that he wants. We guarantee you that we're going to be authentic. We're going to let our imperfections show, which I do very easily because there's so many. We'll enjoy moments of celebration and laughter. We're going to lean into times where we, we must be quiet and reflect. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. We will be family. We'll be the church. Not a building church, but a people gathered by God where he establishes his presence in the city of Houston. So the question remains, so how can we invite our coworkers, neighbors, and friends to this healthy church where we know they'll find happiness? Well, we as a vision capture team came up with four actions that we can do in the next, uh, it's supposed to be the first 90 days, but we're already like six weeks into the 90 days, so we're going to have to double time, okay? Here are four things that we are going to do, we must do to help move us towards that 365 gifts to guests, all right? So I want you to engage these. These are things that you can do. First one is this, is we're going to assemble a Celebrate Sunday team. So we need some help. We need some help making our Celebrate Sundays something more than they are. And uh, we need some help. So I really want four people who are excited about that to step up and say, you know, I want to help create an experience on about six Sundays this year that, that people enjoy and that people, people really love. Like, for instance, today, we have, have hired somebody to come and do balloon animals for the kids. That was very hard for me to come up with. Very hard. I need all the help I can get. That took a lot of brain power for me, to, me and Andrew to think of that. And so what I'm saying is like, I'm terrible at throwing a party. Have a party, I'll come there and have a good time, okay? Um, but we need some people to help us on six Celebrate Sundays. So if you're interested in that, if your heart is like, yeah, you know what, I'd like to be a part of that, then please step up, let us know, okay? A second thing we want to do that we must do is we want 80 surveys. Now, we have already written the survey. We've already sent it out in our weekly update that we do, but I'm bringing it to your attention. These are eight. We want 80 surveys. This is our goal, which means every one of you needs to fill it out. Now, you have to fill it out as individuals, and you actually are going to put your name on this one because it's a way we're going to track throughout the year how we're doing equipping you in this goal of inviting others. And also, you're going to help us know what you're thinking about what is easy or hard or complex about inviting others. Okay, so 80 surveys, that's going to come out in a link uh, either today or tomorrow. So please fill that out. Just get it done. Don't make me beg you, but I will, all right? Uh, 80 surveys, four questions. So these are really easy so far, right? I haven't, I haven't done anything crazy yet. Now here's another one. We're going to distribute 100 top four bookmarks. Andrew, where are the bookmarks? Okay, so um, on the way out... Um, what are you doing? Don't come up. Don't come get, don't, It's my time. Get, okay, come, 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 come here. Give it up for Andrew. Give it up for Andrew. All right. Um, so we have come up, the Vision Capture team came up with this fantastic idea for a kind of a bookmark kind of thing where you could just write the names of people that you're praying for, people that are in your life that are outside the church that you care about and that you want for them to experience the presence of God and maybe even someday you'll invite them into the life of our church. So these are Houston friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, 
And uh, so we have these bookmarks out back. You can stick this in your Bible. If you don't uh, use a paper Bible, you can stick it in whatever your devotional book is. Or maybe you can use uh, one of our little magnet clips and clip it up uh, wherever you have that. All of that is in the back, and you can grab that whenever you grab lunch. All right? So that's, we're going to distribute 100 of those. That should be pretty easy. So, so at this point, you, you really have not been asked to do a lot. We're trying to make this easy for you, but we believe if you do these things. So I need four people to step up, fill out a four-question survey. All I need you to do is take one of these things. See, here's how you do it, like this. And if we do that, we're going to say one, two, three. We're going to count it. We're going to feel good about ourselves, okay? All right, here's the fourth thing. And to be honest, this is the thing I am the most excited about. And this is the one that no one else on the Vision Capture team liked. But I'm the pastor, so we're going to do it. All right. No, just kidding. Some of them were like humoring me. Anyway, here's what it is. We're going to do 10, what I'm calling big old blessing blasts. Let's say that together. Big old blessing blasts. Here's the idea. I want for 10 of you to step up and say, I want to show God's love in a tangible way to the group of people I work with, maybe the group of people that you exercise with, maybe your neighbors. And here's what it would look like. For instance, recently um, we bought uh, lunch or dinner for my daughter's uh, basketball team at Lanier Middle School. So I told the coach, I said, hey, we just want to show God's love in a practical way on behalf of our church. And uh, we, we, we knew there was a need for meals because they had to go from school to a basketball game. So when can we do it? So we bought, I think, 40 meals and provided it to the team as just a blessing, right? We didn't say we don't want anything in return. You don't have to come to our church, although we'd love for you to. But we just want to show you that somebody cares about you. And so we said it was from the Cravens family on behalf of Neartown Church. And it was a cool thing. It was, it was kind of a cool little thing. So right now, be thinking about, okay, this is my tribe of people that I hang out with. This is the group of people that I exercise with. And what could I do? What could I give away there or bless them with so that I can just say, hey, this is just God's love in a tangible way from me on behalf of my church. That's all you got to do. So it's your workout community. Maybe if you own a business, it's people in your business. You say, you know what? Hey, there's a bunch of cookies. Who, who, you know what? Those were provided for uh, by my church, and we just want to let you know your love. I'm excited about this. I mean, you're gonna, it's, it's on you. This actually is going to take some work. That's why I only put 10. And so I'm looking for is 10. So maybe it's a friend group. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe you just want to go door to door and go, hey, uh, my church wanted to bless this block. And, uh, and here you go. Here's, some, um, here's a chocolate chip cookie from Tiny Boxwoods. Can I get an amen on that one? What will it be? You're going to have to get creative. We're going to get creative together. So I need 10 of you all to step up, and you're going to tell me, hey, you know what? I have an idea. I want to bring a meal to this group. I want to bring a treat to this group, a a gift to this group. And here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to pay you or pay for up to $200 for each of these. And you're thinking like, oh, $200. No. We just got a really nice little check because we had a Suburban, and it got ran into while I was out of town. And we didn't need any more, so we just took the insurance money. And so we actually have some money for all of this. So in memory of that big blue suburban, we're going to do, everybody say it with me, big old blessing blast. So if you need help, we're going to do 10 of these, and I want for you to get serious about doing these, okay? Now you say, how is this a big deal? No, this is a gigantic deal. We have to engage it. And here's the deal. 365 gifts to guests 
it can't just be about what Andrew and I do or what the leaders do of the church. It's what we're doing as a church, all right? Here's what we know to be true. People want happiness. We're most happy in the presence of God. The presence of God is most fully experienced with the gathered people of God. And so this is in our heart this year as we look toward 2019. Now I just want you to think about something as we begin to close. Raise your hand if you've ever uh, seen an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Raise your hand, yeah. That television show uh, began airing in uh, 1968, and it ran until 2000. It had 895 episodes. You know, in 1997, Mr. Rogers won the Emmy Lifetime Achievement Award. And during his speech, he said these words. So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here. Some are far away. Some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. And he looked out over the audience, and he told the celebrities and the who's who of the entertainment industry. He said this. He said, would you just take 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are. People that have cared about you and want what's best for you in life. So as he waited for those 10 seconds, he looked down and there was tears in the eyes of these people, the actors and actresses. Why? Because all of us have somebody that's special in our lives who God has used to bring us to where we are. Some are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. What I'm saying to you is this, is that this year God wants to use you in the life of a person. Maybe two. And so that some years down the road, they'll look back, and when they're asked who has made a difference on your life, they'll think of you. Let's pray on and think about these things. God Almighty, we love you every ounce of vision uh, that's worth anything is from you. Every bit of it that's worth anything emerges from your word. God, so this year we want to move into the year, just put another piece on that great design that you've allowed us to build on called the local church. So God, we pray that you would um, lead us, guide us, give us courage. I pray you give us creativity. Help everybody to see themselves as a part of this thing. We love you, and I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.